Welcome to Texas Franchise Radio, where your hosts, Josh Cherry and Robbie Marlowe, bring you all things franchising in the Texas market. Franchising is one of three growth strategies businesses can use to expand and capture market share. Effective when done right. But there's a lot to this dynamic business model. Learn from others in the industry as we bring on all levels of franchise operators and experts. Texas Franchise Radio. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the business. Well, this is what you need. Repping Texas, they professionals have been All right. in the What's up, Conroe, Texas? How are you doing today? It's uh, Robbie Marlowe here with Texas Franchise Radio. Obviously, uh, we're one man short today, but we got two great guests jumping in and going to co-host the show with me. We have uh, David Winegate with Winegate Law. Say hi, David. How's it going? <laughs> All right. And then we got Tony Watley with uh, 365 Driven. What is uh, 365 Driven? Give us a real quick. It's a business cult consulting for startups, scaling, and selling companies. All right. Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to bring some uh, good uh, information here to this show today. Uh, you know, with Texas Franchise Radio, we look to really help three people. One, the business owner looking to scale through franchising. Two, people looking to invest into a franchise. And then three people who have already invested into a franchise system and just want to learn a little bit more about the industry and kind of spread their knowledge. Uh, well, today we got actually a really good show because one of the things I think with business owners, we really jump in with both feet and we really don't think too much about the future. And uh, I think if we sat down and thought about it a little bit, we might uh, take it a little bit slower, but I think that's the advantages of being an entrepreneur. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about if you're going to start a business or you're in a business, you're in a partnership, planning that partnership a little bit. And what are the pitfalls that we see when it's coming to a partnership? Because we never think about what's bad that could happen when we start a business. We think the good. And that's a great thing. We're all optimists, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? That's a good thing. But uh, unfortunately, and I was looking through some statistics, and I got some statistics here about, you know, small businesses and the way small businesses sometimes fail, unfortunately. And sometimes uh, even if you have success, if your goals with your partners are not lined up on the same page or if one wants to sell, sometimes that can cause issues. And um, I don't know, Tony, you being a business consultant, you say you specialize in selling businesses. What, what, what have you ran into? I think a lot of times people jump into these partnerships that you mentioned that it's um, people jump into partnerships for the wrong reason. Okay. They basically join because they want to really spread out some risk or some fear. They want to hand, mm -hmm. hand hold and jump off the cliff together and usually <laughs> do that with their best friends or some family member. Yep. But the problem is, is they, they see partnership as a split risk, but what they're really thinking about small, they're really thinking too small. They think that I have this one piece of pie and you're going to get half and I'm going to get half and we're going to be happily ever after. But that's the cue is they really are getting married. When we start getting into legal contracts with businesses, mm -hmm. there's half your decision-making. There's half of everything half of your profits, half of your exit strategy. It's everything is, is aligned, but most people don't think about the future. Like I said, five, 10 years out because people's perspectives change. People's purposes change. People have kids, people get married, people yep. get divorced. They want to go do something else. They have different passions in life and they want to go pursue that. So in, unless your goals are very well prepared and really aligned together, I don't recommend partners. Yeah. And, 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 and I guess in, history, look at businesses, obviously a lot of great businesses start out with partnerships. And I think if you're starting and really bootstrapping it up, it's hard not to, to have a partner at some level. Sometimes it's, and, and you hear great ones and, um, and you hear some horror stories. So uh, David, I know you do some um, family planning, business planning on the legal side of it. When, say I'm, I'm Robbie, okay, that's who I am. And I'm ready to hey, start Robbie. a business. Hi, I'm ready to start a business tomorrow and I come to you. Is that something that you 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 try to work with a group, the partnership, try to work through those questions and those things early on? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I do is I file LLCs for free so I can have an opportunity to chat with the partners before they enter that business What's relationship. That? What did he say? You, you, you file LLCs for free? Yes, sir. All right. I file LLCs for free. All you got to take care of is the filing fee. Okay. And meet with me for my foundation session, which I walk through the legal building blocks of what it means to set up a business with a good foundation. One of those is making sure that your marriage has your divorce agreement built in. 
because, you know, like Las Vegas, LegalZoom and all these online versions of these documents, they're really quick to get you married. But the problem is they don't really spell out the divorce language, which is necessary because most small business owners um, it, that go into partnership with each other, they get divorced within two years, two to five years, most partnerships die. So the problem is they're jumping in with two feet, kind of like Tony said, but they're not thinking about what's going to happen if this person stops working in the business. Are you going to be upset? Probably. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do you, what are you going to do if that happens? So you need to have the planning. Okay. Place. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And um, I wish I had the percentages on divorce versus small business and we could kind of compare those two. But uh, <laughs> no, and, and some of the statistics, realistically, if you go to start a small business, and we'll talk a little bit about starting a small business and starting a franchise and kind of the advantages a franchise gives you, because there is a, uh, there's not really a lot of uh, accurate percentages, but there's a good uh, representation of if you go into and start a new concept or a new business on your own, and sometimes like being a professional, being a lawyer, like you start a practice and that's different than saying, I want to go start a burger place and I'm going to go open Rob's Burger versus McDonald's. <laughs> Obviously there's going to be uh, <laughs> some percentages of fail, but they say in the first year, 20% of small businesses fail in the first year, 30% fail in their second year out of the, what already failed in the first year. And then 50% of small business fail after five years in business. That's quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're talking five years, that's not a long time, realistically, especially if you invest a lot of money and capital into it. Um, but I was also looked at, that's so if I'm starting from scratch, and then I looked at also the franchise business, and uh, they say that 85 or 90% of franchises have a five-year survival rate across the board. It's hard for me to believe that just because the nature of there's more franchises coming in the system. I tried to find something that was just as accurate of like 2019, because I think we doubled since 2000 the amount of franchises that are in the system. And with that being said, you're going to have young franchises that's not going to have that big of a successful rate. But Tony, you've probably seen people start from scratch. You probably you probably work with clients that own franchises, probably a group of franchises. Why do you think there's such a uh, disparity of the amount of small businesses that fail that are just from scratch and the amount of franchises that fail? Well, I think the main benefit of franchising is if you're not experienced in running a business or owning a business, it gives you a lot of fundamental processes and systems. They handle a lot of the marketing weight that they carry for you. They've got the branding already set. They've got the payment structures and plans in place. So you're really getting a turnkey business that's operational as long as you can follow the concept and the rules of that franchise. And if you feel like that's a great place to get your feet wet in entrepreneurship, it's a great way to start you got a lot of business ideas and marketing and branding things already taken care of for you. And you're going to learn even further from that springboard where someone's starting a small business from scratch. They're going to have to become a better business person. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to learn branding, marketing, social media strategies. They're going to have to learn all these different tactics. And what you find is a lot of small business. I would say most small businesses in this, in this world that are created are created by someone who has a special skill or knowledge or some kind of a tactic. Mm-hmm but it doesn't translate to business. So for example, I, I, w- I work with a lot of automotive community. There's great mechanics out there. They may be the best mechanic in the shop and they see their boss making the paycheck, driving a bigger truck than them. And they go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go start my own shop too because he can do it, I can do mm-hmm. it. But the thing <laughs> is, is they, they mistake that their skill for being a top level mechanic will automatically translate them to becoming a better business person. And when you find when you start a business, you have to be equally invested in your business skills and your technical or knowledge skills. And most people just don't have that, and that's why they result in failure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you read E-Myth Revisited. Absolutely. Yeah, so me and, uh, me and my business partner, we read that early on, and we were able to draw a piece of paper, and we threw a line down it and put, I'm responsible for this, mm-hmm. and you're responsible for that. Obviously, that's uh, progressed quite a bit past that point, but that's how we kind of cleared it up. Part. But um, reading E-Myth Revisited, guys, uh, who's the author of that? Gerber, Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber, you're right. Uh, so if you are looking and start starting a small business, E-Myth Revisited is an excellent book to get because it talks about the technician mindset and how uh, what lady was making cakes or pies and she wanted to make her own bakery. Yeah. Um, building building a business, not a job. That's another thing, the self-employment trap. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there like to call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're really self-employed, which is honorable. That's better than being an employee any day. But the thing is, is they can never scale or sell that company because it's too closely related to trading their own hours, their own special knowledge yeah. to create revenue. 
and they can never scale that and walk away from it because basically if they leave, the, the entire operation shuts down. So that's also covered in that book is to not create that self-employment trap yeah. to build processes and systems, which your franchises already bring to the table. Yeah, and I think that's what really, if you think about it, why you pay so much for a franchise. And, and it's just normal when people get into a system when you're paying somebody something, you're going to say they're not giving me enough, but uh, just the infrastructure and the support and really, like you said, the marketing and everything. And I look at it as a franchisor. My job is to look forward. I want you as a franchisee to look internally and operate. My job is to look forward and make sure we don't hit no potholes or run into any issues or we're continuing with the brand. Um, so, David, I know you have some uh, work with uh, some franchises and you're doing different things. Um, you kind of agree with Tony on the franchise part? Do you have any? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a great business model to jump in if you're new to the system, new to the game, the yeah. entrepreneur space, because like he said, you know, it's, it's a, everything's handed to you. You yeah. know, you just got to run with it. Well, I guess you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum. You know, I've come from the franchise. I think both of y'all are kind of building y'all's own. Re65 Driven, Wygate Law. So tell me a little bit about the pitfalls or the, the listeners love pitfalls or the struggles of creating your own business from scratch. I mean, when you start your own business, you think that it's going to be smooth sailing. You're just going to be able to rake in the money. But people don't realize how much time goes into building a business, whether it's a franchise driven, your franchisee, yep. or you're starting a business from the ground up. It takes way more time than you can even fathom. So if you're not willing to make those sacrifices, then you need to be an employee. Um, but there's so much reward for that risk that you put on the table. And just to go back on some of these statistics, you know, 25, 20% fail in the first year, 30% fail. I mean, the reason they fail is they stop believing in them, their ability to actually do the work that needs to happen, or they lose sight of what they actually wanted to achieve. So it's, it's all about self-confidence and keep impounding the pavement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, sometimes um, if you come from you want to mitigate the risk a little bit. I guess that's the uh, luxury of going into a franchise system. It gives you that partnership without the partner. It gives you that person that's going to jump in there and help you lead through it. Um, so, um, man, uh, going forward with business and seeing these statistics, uh, if I'm a new business owner, Tony, and I'm, I'm paying you, you're going you're gonna to consult me. Uh, what do you start off with and try to help them figure out? Is it, is it hey, plan your exit plan? What is that? Well, for me, starting any business, the foundation of every business is the mindset, having the right mindset to do the things. A lot of people are dictated by their self-doubt. They're worried about what other people are going to say about them. They're worried about their, not their failures, they're worried about what other people will say about their failures. And then you have a lot of people who have a very successful corporate level career who are mm -hmm. wanting to start their first company. And they may be per perceived as an expert in their field. But a lot of times people are feeling this entitlement where they think they can go jump into business and be perceived as an expert in business, but the humility is not there because they're not willing to start from zero to build the right business. So you get a lot of these mindset things that are really tripping people up. And I think we have a lot of excuses that people walk around with on a daily basis. They tell you that they don't have time, they don't mm -hmm. have money. Maybe they're blaming their spouse, their children for their lack of effort. But what they don't realize is that there's other people, there's thousands or maybe even millions of people out there living that life that they desire and not having the same excuses because a lot of highly successful people, we're sitting at this table with some, have children and have, have a wife and have a full-time mm -hmm. job and doing these things. So we all have the same amount of time, but the successful people do not have the same amount of excuses. That's a difference. So mindset for me is always a start. When we go through an entire coaching program, I would say the first two months is really getting their mindset correct, starting to deconstruct a lot of the self-limiting beliefs that we're grown up with, go through school with, mm -hmm. hear from our bosses, hear from our friends. You just have a lot of self-limiting beliefs that you don't ever challenge because when you learn those beliefs, especially at an early age, we have no frame of reference to measure those against. So we take those at face value, we program our subconscious, and we just kind of operate on a daily basis with that until somebody challenges them. And the problem is, is most people hang around with other people who aspire to be average and get that six-figure job and have yep. two and a half kids and a dog and a mortgage and a brand new house. And basically, they never challenge their belief system 
until they meet someone like you or me who really thinks about, hey, man, why do you think that way? Why do you think making six figures is successful? And you start to realize that a lot of the goals that we walk around with were never our goals. They were programmed into us by our environmental factors. No, I, I 100% agree with that because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've always been an entrepreneur for some reason. I always wanted to be a business owner. And then I grew up in a small town and, you know, I thought oil and gas was it for me. Uh, but, uh, you know, luckily you got out. Yeah, we grew up into a, um, a world with the Internet. I think the Internet and social media, honestly, uh, plays a lot into that for us as of um, kind of puts it in front of us all the time of everybody's putting their best out on social media. At least, mm. at least most of them should be. Some of them don't, and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but most of them do, and I think, uh, like you said, Humility, patience, I think that's where we miss the mark when it comes to business, being patient. I think you talked a little bit about that when you were talking about starting your business and what you did. Being patient and understand that it's not going to happen tomorrow. We are a society that wants it tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I think that hurts a little bit. Uh, with you building a law firm from scratch and kind of moving to a new area, I know you put a lot of work in the chamber. You've been put a lot of work. Uh, being patient, was that is that a key to your success, David? Absolutely. I mean, if I wasn't patient, I'd probably be working for a big firm right now. Yeah. You know, working, you know, 100 hours a week, making probably about the same I'm making right now. So it's it's one of those things where you've got to be patient with your plan. It's going to take more than you anticipate. And it's all about relationships. So a relationship doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to trust somebody you just find on the street corner. Um, you've got to build that relationship, and that takes time. So until you have those relationships built, you're not going to probably be successful in whatever you're trying to achieve. I know people right now listen to patience. Man, I got bills to pay, and that's that's part of it. When you go into business for yourself, you, you're you're making sacrifices. So you got to make sure if you're married, you got kids that hey, they understand that um, it's it's going to be a big sacrifice. I know when I left. Uh, my career and I, I jumped out and I'm sure we all had that same story somewhere that, uh, I mean, I had a one-year-old, a five-year-old and my wife was like, you're leaving your job. What? And I was like, yeah, you know, I think we at least give it a run, you know, and, uh, it was a scary time, but, uh, but it was a calculated decision. You, you, uh, had, <laughs> you had a model in your head and you were yeah, wanting no, to absolutely. put the pieces together. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm sure people don't want to be patient, but I think uh, starting out with a franchise probably gives you a little bit of leg up on the patience part of it because you do get a model that's proven. You can got marketing help. But uh, starting from scratch is rough. But uh, I think it can be done. I think, you know, even the statistics, I don't want to throw doom and gloom over statistics. There's small businesses right now. We're looking at two of them, guys that are successful creating their small business and doing it. Um, so it can be done. It just sometimes... Like we talked about, you got to make sure you look at the start, but the finish of it and make sure you're planning it appropriately. Um, we're about to jump on break here in a couple minutes, but um, it's taken about just, uh, you talked a little bit about mindset. Uh, you talked about clearing people's mindset up. What are the, some of the exercises you work with them? I don't want to give your secrets away, but somebody <laughs> listening right now, if they're, you know, how do I get my mind right? I've been, I've been programmed the last three years. I've been in my full-time job. I'm trying to get out of it. I'm talking to my buddies every day at lunch about, man, we gotta we gotta break away. What's the what's the steps they need to do to start getting their mind right? Honestly, I want to touch in on some of that patience talk because I I think that we have to be patient for the results, like you said. Mm -hmm. But you don't mistake if you're listening to this, do not mistake that for being complacent and being relaxed going into the effort because you will be busting your rear. You gotta take that action. <laughs> You'll be busting your rear yeah. for the first, and I'm gonna tell you it's gonna be the first one to two years minimum. That if you're not willing to show up consistently every damn day and put in the hard work, mm -hmm. you're not going to get the results. But here's the problem is it kind of touches back on where I think I mentioned where people are being entitled, thinking that they deserve an audience or deserve customers mm -hmm. because they have some other success in some other aspect of their lives. It's not true. It doesn't translate that way. So you see someone else like David or yourself, Robbie, that's got a successful business. And they go, well, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. And they jump in and they don't get the results right away. And so what happens is when you first make that announcement, your social media, your friends, your family, yeah, like, hey, man, does. that is awesome. Go, go you. Then they see you actually start to execute and actually doing the work and starting to level up. You're going to have some people that come out of the woodworks and resent that. You're going to be showing the spotlight on them for the 
effort that they're not putting out in their lives and they see you leading by example and they know they're not, they're going to be trying to claw you back down and keep you back where you are. They're going to try to throw speed bumps in front of you to slow down mm -hmm. your progress. But you got to see past that. But here's the problem is most people quit in about two to three months. Yep. What I see is they go really hard for two to three months. And all of us on social media land, we watch them doing this. We become mm -hmm. skeptics by nature because we've seen thousands of other people before them do that exact same pattern. Hit the ground running, got some new business, new product, new service. They're going hard. And two to three months, it's ghost town. They just go silent. You're like, hey, is that person even still alive? Because they disappeared. <laughs> so we see that. We've been conditioned to be skeptics about that. But if you can see through that no man's land from about six to 12 months, when you feel like you're talking to a nobody on the other end of this microphone, when you feel like the audience is not there, nobody's throwing you likes, nobody's showing up to your stuff, but you have that purpose that's driving you to do the business, six to 12 months, showing up every day. And I mean every day, mm -hmm. not days off until you reach your dream. Yeah. I'm not talking about 24-7 hustle. I'm talking about adding effort every single day towards your business because you're building your legacy in six to 12 months, people will come out of that skeptic zone and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to support this guy. I'm going to start doing things. He's serious about it. I trust them. I'm going to give them some business. Man, this dude's spitting gold right now. Everybody should be listening, should be taking notes right there. That was some great stuff, Tony. I hope they appreciated it. Hey, uh, also, the people, we got a couple listeners on Facebook Live. Throw us some likes, man. We just talked about likes. It uh, helps our confidence over here there at Texas go. Franchise <laughs> Radio. Uh, no, but realistically, if you have any questions, you're listening right now. We're not going to do uh, stuff that we used to do some questions back and forth. I didn't know if we were going to have two people. Both these guys accepted the invitation last minute, so I do appreciate it. I know both of you are busy, so I do appreciate it. But if you all have questions for these guys, this is some great knowledge across the table right now about starting your business, about planning your business, about business in general. Leave them on Facebook Live because that's what I got pulled up right now. Uh, if you leave it on YouTube or anything like that, I can get back to you later. But Facebook Live, ask them, ask them uh, questions. I think we're about to run to commercial. Um, kind of missed that. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live, and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres and environmentally sound. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. All right, Conroe, welcome back to Texas Franchise Radio. Like I said, we got two high-powered guest co-hosts jumping on here and helping me out with the show. We're going to jump and talk a little bit about David. Wygant, <laughs> he jumped on me about saying his name wrong at the first. So. You should have sang his name. I, I should, <laughs> because uh, David is the singing lawyer. Uh, he's uh, down here in the Woodlands, Texas. Yes, sir. Um, he's, like you said, he files your LLC for free, so all your listeners are looking to start a new business and you want to talk, uh, file your LLC, talk with David. But David, give us a little bit right now, a uh, snapshot of your business and what you do. So Wygant Law helps families and businesses stay out of court and in tune with what they care about. So if you have something that you want to happen after you're no longer here, we put those 
things in place so that whatever you want to happen happens. Those values that you hold dear, we make sure to capture those in a legacy lesson, which is the third step in my estate planning process. So I do estate planning and business planning. And we believe that protecting the intellectual property, your insights, your thoughts, your values are almost more important than protecting the property so that if there was something tragic happened and your kid is five years old, that they can know who their father is and make sure that that's passed along. And we make sure that we protect that legacy moving forward into the future generations. Awesome. That's a, that's a, that's an awesome thing to do. Uh, I'm sure that uh, working with people, I'm sure it's probably tough seeing people put their whole lives out there. And uh, But that's a very interesting concept of, um, of keeping people's legacy. Uh, now with the business planning, um, what do you, what do you, what does that mean for all the listeners, business planning? What does that actually mean? So business planning from the legal perspective isn't, you know, just a business plan. That's probably something Tony would more or less help with. You know, when people think of a business plan, mm -hmm. you know, what your market is, what you're going to target. But business planning from the legal perspective is more like the operating agreement. If you got an LLC and you don't have an operating agreement, that's the document that makes your business a standalone business. If you don't have one, you're kind of blurring the lines between your personal house and your business house. Mm -hmm. I like to think about your business like a house. And so that's mm -hmm. why I call the first planning session from the legal perspective a foundation session. Okay, and an operating agreement for the listeners. When you go into a partnership, operating agreement is very important. Absolutely. And that's kind of, is that where you spell out, like we talked about the first, we spell out the divorce papers already yeah. in the marriage. That's kind of both of them wrapped in for the listeners that are listening. Correct. Because when I started my business, I didn't know what an operating agreement was. I went to LegalZoom. They sent me a bunch of stuff. I signed it, and we were ready to go, and we rock and rolled. Um, and, you know, like I said, it, being young in business, that kind of happens. But the operating agreement is very important for a LLC partnership, correct? Or if you ever bring on an investor-type person. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the online versions, it's a bare-bones skeleton, mm -hmm. and you really need some meat on the, the bone to really protect your investment. Your yeah. hard-earned money that you're investing and your, the time that you're investing into this business, you don't want to go cheap on making sure that it's protected. Okay, yeah, so if, uh, if you're out there and you're going to start an LLC or you're bringing on a partnership, you don't have an operating agreement, Reach does business planning. He'll help you out at, uh, I've seen you put your uh, W-E-Y-Law.com forward slash schedule. Just send me a, a request for a 15-minute call, and I'll we can chat about whatever you got going on. Awesome, and that's where people are going to jump on that, file your LLC for free or jump on and operating agreements. Man, sometimes you go into business. We all want to think we know everything. We, we look at, we... Uh, Listen to a YouTube video. I know that was, I was dangerously <laughs> planned most of my life on YouTube videos. So uh, sometimes we jump on a YouTube video. We think we know it all. But guys, it really saves you um, in the long run if you go with somebody business planning, business coaching, tax. I mean, I know it's stuff we don't think about spending early on, but it's stuff that gets us in trouble later on if we, if it, if it takes off, you know, and that's what we got to, and we don't get into business not to take off, do we? You get in business to hopefully make some money and, and yeah. change a lot of lives and do a lot of good in the world. So, uh, it's definitely better to plan. So, um, so we got two guests. Tony, Tony, I'm gonna say your last name wrong, like I did, David. Tony Watley. No, you got it right. All right, awesome. I'm I'm terrible no with I'm terrible. I am terrible with names, guys, and I apologize. <laughs> I can barely say my own. Um, but Tony, uh, you do a couple things. Um, real quick, you do 365 Driven. That's mm -hmm. a business consulting right. firm. Let us a little, know a little bit more about that and kind of what you specialize in. And you're in the Woodlands area, also, correct? Correct. Awesome. So I started 365 Driven two years ago. I left the corporate world. I was project management, engineering, oil and gas here in Houston, obviously, like you were talking about. <laughs> Did that for 25 years, but I have also owned businesses on the side for 20 years. I've created seven-figure companies, and I've also helped other people build seven- and eight-figure companies. And I was doing this for my inner circle, just friends and contacts that mm -hmm. I had for the last 15 years. But everybody was telling me, you know, this is the passion that you have. And I knew that. My, I have two passions outside of my family. Cars and business. Like, to me, business is a game, and I love games. Yeah. So I always had this passion for business. I can speak on business all day long at a high level. And they go, you should be doing this for your career. But you know what? It was that corporate job, that high, you know, I was making multiple six figures in the salary. It was that, that was the excuse that kept me from leaving it's, it's to do what I want to do. It's very comfortable. 
but it's it was also what held me back mm-hmm. because while I was good at the corporate job, it's not something I had passion for. It's not something I loved. I said, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own and bet on myself. I've already had business success. I've got feedback. And I wrote a book, and it came out on Amazon last year. It became a number one bestseller on Amazon. It's called Side Hustle Millionaire. I actually gave Dick a copy. So oh, nice. good stuff. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go do the things I'm passionate for. I definitely took a salary and decrease initially. That first mm-hmm. year, I was helping. I helped 22 people start their first company and proved my processes, really got some good feedback, testimonial base, built an online Facebook group that's approaching 3,000 people with entrepreneurs. And I said, I'm going to do it all in. I started doing more public speaking events, writing my second book, launched a podcast, interviewing some amazing people in the entrepreneurship space. And that's what I love to do is help people get the mindset, the confidence, and arm them with the business strategies to really build and scale and hopefully maybe even exit their business. I know that's not for everybody. Yeah. But we do have that factored in more from the beginning because you got to have those long-term goals. Otherwise, you're not going to go the right direction. No, absolutely. I think you said something that was good. You took a, you, you left the corporate world, you took a pay cut, mm-hmm. and you were patient. You took a lot of people. You, you wanted to test your processes, your systems out and make sure they work. I think that's where I talk to the, these um, – and I hate, to, I hate to hate on millennials because, you know, I'm like on the back end. You know, I don't know who – nobody wants to accept me, you know. <laughs> I'm like thir- 34. Like, am I a millennial? Am I the other generation? You know, you're who knows? grandpa in the millennial yeah. space. <laughs> yeah, on, no, absolutely. So I can't, I can't, like, say it with a straight face. Yeah. But – you know, I talk to them and they're like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to do this. But they want to charge premium rates. And it's like, hey, that's cool. And I, that's, that's, uh, that's admirable. You know, hey, yeah. that's great. But like you said, you can cut your teeth, show that you prove that you can do it. Okay. And then you can charge whatever you want. And it sounds like that you, you attacked it like that. You jumped out, you tested your systems, you proved to, not just to yourself, but to the world also, because you got to prove it to both. You come out and you just, you know, hey, I know I can do it, but nobody else knows. Nobody's going to pay you for that. Right. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of people right now, especially um, in the in the uh, space of um, personal development, personal development, mm-hmm. talking about coming out, um, you know, your time's not what you think it is, mm-hmm. when, especially when you're starting out. You're just trying to get, gain a reputation, a personal brand. We'll talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. later on. But I think uh, I, I love that you said that. Uh, I think everybody that's thinking about starting a business, and you, a lot of it just... Uh, Things that you can start very easily. Uh, go out there and just gain customers. Almost give your your product away. If, if it don't cost you anything, I mean, at least if it's just time, man, give your time away. And, and, and like you said, test your processes. Get your reputation up. And then you can charge whatever you want. Yeah, I can share a little story on that. I, I sold a company back when I was 34. I'm 46 now. I sold a company for $2 million. And at the time, I did not know that did I get lucky? This is the things I had. The mm-hmm. self-doubt still even lingers even when you oh, become successful. Like, did I get lucky? Did I just kind of luck my way through this process? Is that lightning striking once? And it took me about eight years of that time to really start to think, no, I started looking back on the process and the things I created and the scalability, the exit plan. Everything I did was correct. And even though I didn't have mentors, I just read a lot of books, used a mm-hmm. lot of common sense, and always put the community and the customers first. And that's what became the success for that company. So I was able to just really put that process in what I do now. And what I was watching was there's a lot of business coaches out there. And if you're a business coach and you're listening to this, it's not to hate on you, but there's a lot of business coaches out there who have never owned a business, have never operated a business, and they're giving advice to people on how to start businesses. And it just blew my mind. It's like, you know what? I actually have experience doing this. But there and there, there's that corporate salary that kept me from wanting to step out. But that was one of the main reasons. It's like, you know, I got a lot of value to share with this world. I'm going to generationally impact millions of people. That's my goal. That's my purpose. So that's what's driving me on a daily basis nowadays. Awesome. And, uh, man, that's, uh, I'm sure you got a, a wealth of knowledge, man. I mean, everybody should be jumping on here and taking notes from both y'all guys. Uh, I do appreciate y'all coming on here and jumping on the podcast, uh, or the, uh, Facebook line. I don't know radio show podcast, a little bit of everything on the radio, right? radio cast. Yeah, yeah. But we do a radio and then we'll kick it to the podcast here in a little bit after this. So, you know, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a hybrid, um, <laughs> Man, David, uh, help me out a little bit, man. Let's jump over here. What kind of questions do you have for Tony, man? This guy's full of wealth of knowledge, man. So we actually met at the 10X Growth Conference in Vegas. And one of the things that I learned at that conference was something that Andy Frisella said. And he said, write down five things before you start your day and knock out those five things. Tony earlier was talking about how you don't take days off when you own a business. So five things. What are those five things? Is it calling a customer? Is it 
taking care of, you know, this order that, you know, you have on the back burner. What are those five things? And just tackle those. And if you finish those within the first two hours of the day, great. You can move on to something else. Mm. What, what do you think about that, Tony? Yeah, Andy Frisella, that's one of my mentors, and he calls that the power list. And it's, I, I've always lived by a schedule. If you look at my phone, I live every single day by a schedule. Even my wife has a schedule my time. She knows that I'm very <laughs> tied up in things. And yeah. here's a time slot. Let's go do this. But it's one of the things that's mainly about this. One, it becomes routine on that list. You can remove it. Like for me, going to the gym six days a week is my routine. I don't need to put that on my list. I just fill in the gaps. Like, I, here's a spot. I'm just going to go there. That's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. We can mm -hmm. go whenever we want. Most of the time, it's the middle of the day. So it's understand, yeah, we do need to do the, the task list, the power list, but you got to prioritize that because a lot of people out there think that being busy is being productive, and that kind of goes back to the book, The One Thing, but Gary Keller and Jay Papasan mm -hmm. is that you need to focus on the one priority. There's not priorities with an S. It's one priority per day. Which of those tasks is going to move your needle towards the goal that you really have Focus on that, and you'll find that most of the times that one priority is the thing that you're avoiding. It's the <laughs> thing that's causing you the, the most discomfort because here's the thing. We tend to work on the problems that we want to solve, not the ones we need to solve. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I struggled that early on, so I came from a corporate job. I was an engineer. I quit, and then all of a sudden now I went from having very structured to not having structured. And one of the things I struggled on is finding that one thing but making it too big. Like, you know, hey, I got this big project I got to do. Well, I need to work on that. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. And I had to break that project down into little segments and mm -hmm. say, well, I need to finish. I need to move the football down the field this much today. Yep. And it was hard for me to get that mindset. I think it's the one thing's a great uh, tool to use, but you got to use it properly. Absolutely. You can't, you know, and I mean, it was the worst because like you said, then you don't, then you don't work on it because it's too big. And then you just keep pushing it down the line and you don't get nothing accomplished. And that's the one thing that's going to move your business down the road. Uh, so it took me uh, a good year to uh, go from that mm -hmm. working nine to five mindset to I am an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to structure my own time. And it was it was it was a struggle for me. Um, David, how how did how how when you you went to law school, correct here in Houston, didn't you? I went to South Texas College of Law downtown okay. Houston. And then when you when you graduated, did you go straight working for a law firm somewhere else? So I was I was working at a firm while I was in law school for the for the second two years while I was in school, and I stayed on at that firm, working full-time. Not a whole lot changed in terms of what I was doing, which is interesting, but I decided that I really needed to help more people, and the only way that I was going to be able to do that is to take control over my time and, you know, pick the clients that I want to work with. Okay. Now, so when you jumped out of your law, the law firm you're working for to doing your own practice, was there a uh, learning curve there, or were you, you probably already had to be self-motivated to a point, correct? Absolutely. I mean, there, I didn't realize how much out in the community I was going to have to be to get the clients that I wanted. I got you. Because, you know, working as an employee, you're sitting at a desk, you're given the work. Mm -hmm. But if you're sitting at a desk, you're never going to get the work as an entrepreneur. You've got to go out and meet people. And... I mean, I like people. I love interacting. Uh, but the problem is the work is out in the community. You've got to go get it before you can actually do the work. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like you got two full-time jobs when you're starting a business where business development is the bread and butter. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good thing because, uh, I mean, I struggle with that too. I mean, uh, um, but, you know, I'm getting better. Luckily, I got a business partner that loves that stuff, so <laughs> he kind of he brings it into me, so I don't have to worry about it. But uh, yeah. know your strengths, right? Know no, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's. Uh, and I was listening to something today, and it talked about know your strengths, and it's like um, it talked about managing employees. If you don't like managing employees, outsource as much as you can. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very interesting. It's like I'd rather pay double to outsource if I don't like managing it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was. Uh, it's the first time I heard somebody talk about that, and it's really interesting. Uh, to me, is, is, I guess that's one way to keep your uh, business small. Knowing yourself, Tony, when you talk to uh, young business owners, I think it's difficult because we are, and this might just be me, we want to be just the competition in me. I want to be the best at everything. 
you know, so it was hard. When somebody says, know your strengths, it's like, well, I want everything to be my strength. So how do you, how, when you talk to somebody and you talk to a business owner, I'm, I'm guessing most of them are probably type A personalities. Mm-hmm. I want to get it done, competition. I want to be number one. How do you, how do you get down when you first meet somebody to really get somebody down to their strengths? And it might be an awkward que- or weird question to ask, but I know me being type A, I, I want to be the best at everything. So uh, I struggle with, uh, you know, find your strengths. Well, I want to be strong at everything. So how many times have the listeners and yourself heard this phrase, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself? <laughs> oh, all the time. Limiting well, that, belief, eh? That's a, that's a huge limiting belief, and it's, and it's going to keep you from being a great leader if you think that, because that's the things we hear from our parents, our grandparents, our boss. Yep. It's a very self-limiting belief statement, and a lot of times it's pre-programmed in your subconscious, and that's what creates micromanagers. So if you're a manager listening to this and you're telling your employees what to do and you're bossing them around, honestly, they hate you. That's the reality. <laughs> they're just pu- they're putting up with it. You're paying them just enough to tolerate you. That's the real situation. If you really want to be a good leader, start empowering the people to make decisions. Give them the roles and responsibilities or expectations and let them do their work. Make them decisions because that's why you hire smart people to be able to do the stuff that you want to do. Delegate what you hate. That's what I think I always say is exactly what you yeah. touched on. And you know what? A lot of business owners bury themselves in doing minimum wage tasks when their hourly effective rate should be a lot higher. So if you're the business owner and your general rate is $200 an hour, you shouldn't be doing things that you should be paying someone else $12 an hour. Make a list of those things. Delegate that out. Your productivity is going to be increased because you can focus on the things that make the real money when they can go focus on those minimum wage tasks. So definitely get past your ego. Mm-hmm. Quit trying to think that you can do everything because you will never be self-made. That's a that's a fallacy as well. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. there's no such thing. You got to be able to ask for help, and that's very hard for people, especially alpha people. Yeah, no, and I think that's uh, that was great stuff, and uh, it really is. And uh, no, if you're a business owner and you're you're struggling or are doing any things, uh, you know, take that advice. All right, guys, we're going on break. I hear the music. Operators and the experts. It's time to tune in and expand your network. So let's see how- From the beginning, the main purpose of the Cooperative Extension Service has been to change human behavior by teaching people how to apply the results of scientific research. By utilizing a holistic, multi-level approach, Extension Family and Community Health Programs encourage health and well-being for everyone. Addressing values, concerns, and needs with reliable science-based information, Extension Programs help people lead healthier lives. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show. With monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the All right, welcome back, Conroe. Quick little break. Uh, we're going to jump back. We had some great, we just finished last segment off with some great information, but we wanted to jump a little bit. We got two guys here that really know a lot about personal branding. I know a lot about David's because me and David's talked about it quite a bit. I've seen him at the chamber. He is the singing lawyer. And I think that's very important. I talked to him about it, how awesome it is to be able to, to make a brand about, uh, to follow around what you enjoy doing. You know, he's a lawyer, yes, but he is a trained opera singer. I went and watched him at the, uh, what is, it, what is that place? The Glade Arts Foundation? Yeah, Glade, Glade Arts Center. Foundation. Uh, you know, and I really enjoyed it. I wish I'd have brought my little girl. She'd have really enjoyed it. But it was cool to see you up there uh, doing what you love and, and being able to tie that into your personal branding. And right now with the Internet and, man, everything's basically uh, built around you. It's a personal business where people want to get to know you and do business with people they know, like, and trust. Personal branding is really important. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, the singing lawyer and, and, and uh, yeah. you know, your, your personal brand there, and then Tony's right. going to jump in. He said he got some great stuff over personal branding. So, so when I was a, a lame duck waiting to see if I was going to be an actual attorney, so an attorney is somebody that, you know, actually passed the bar exam. A lawyer is somebody who went to law school and passed all of your exams. Well, when I was a lame lawyer figuring out if I was going to be an attorney or not, 
I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs and I was reminiscing on or remembering some stuff that my grandfather was so excited about. When I told him I was going to law school, he was like, oh my gosh, you're going to be the singing lawyer. He got a kick out of that because he was always going to my performances and loved them. But at a young age, I memorized the presidents in order and I was reciting them to my grandparents. And they were like, he's going to be a lawyer. They, they turned to each other and it actually happened. And so he was really excited and he passed away about a month before I graduated law school. So I wanted to commemorate his memory. And so I started a blog, The Singing Lawyer. And when I started my business, I was like, man, should I take this blog down? And my business coach at the time said, you need to take this down. Nobody's going to take you seriously. And I pondered it. I didn't, I didn't take action on that, thank goodness. But I was thinking about it seriously. And I was like, you know what? If these clients that I'm wanting can't take me as I am and want to work with me because mm -hmm. of my past, or they don't want to work with me because I'm a trained opera singer, then you know what? They're probably not the client for me. So I doubled down on the brand and I believe that that's one of the reasons why I've been so successful is because people know who I am now in this community. And I'm really thankful that I didn't listen to that business no, coach. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many people jump into a chamber breakfast and start opera singing? You can't forget that. No. So that's good. I mean, I, I enjoy it, man. I think you're doing a great job with it. Uh, Tony, I, you being a business coach, what do you think about that advice uh, that uh, David was getting about not being himself? He was probably getting that advice from someone that's a conformist that fits in the herd and just playing it safe in life. Yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes it's hard to it's hard to stick out because you know you get sometimes it's criticism, but you know I I mean I bet you're a lot happier being the singing lawyer than you would be just being just a regular lawyer. I mean, attorneys they get this bad image for a reason, and so I'm trying to break that mold. And I want to be professional. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that's important to make sure that you're giving good legal advice and drafting really sound documents. But I want to be personable, and there are a lot of attorneys out there that don't have this personal relationship with their clients. Mm -hmm. It's just a numbers game for them. So I wanted to kind of flip that mold a bit. Awesome. Yeah, yeah he's having fun. He's no, having yeah, fun yeah. doing what he does, and that's, that's the difference because, let's be honest, we're all business owners. When we hear things like lawyer, it doesn't sound fun. Even engineer. When you hear engineer, yeah. that sounds pretty boring, but it, David's making it fun. No, yeah. And, I'm, you know, I, I enjoy watching it. Um, so, Tony, we were talking a little bit on the last break about personal branding. You said you had some great information on personal branding and kind of, I think you're doing your own thing with the cars. I'm sure you're tying that into with your business, too. So, some advice right now for, uh, you know, really anybody that's selling anything, the way you can make yourself stick out, I think, is best. And your personal brand is going to do that. And that's something that's going to stick with you if you sell your business, if you work for somebody else, it gives you that opportunity. Uh, so, give the listeners right now a little... Um, Little nuggets on personal branding and what to how to how to even set a personal brand up. So I'll, I'll go speak in front of these corporate events with hundreds of people, and one of the earliest questions I'll ask when I'm speaking on personal branding is I'll take a show of hands and said, "How many of you in this room have a personal brand?" And you'll be surprised that only maybe five percent of the people raise their hand. Mm -hmm. That's where you're mistaken. If you're listening to this, everybody that's walking this earth has a personal brand. Yep. Whether you take an active role in pursuing and building that <laughs> or the market or the society is yeah. creating that for you. It's called a reputation. It's a reputation. Yeah. It's what people say and think about you when you're not around. So you can have a very active, proactive approach to building that, how you appear, how you sound, how you show up, how mm -hmm. the level of kindness that you have. That's the thing that we control. Otherwise, the world, your boss, your, your spouse, your family, your friends, they're going to create that personal brand for you. And you don't want that to happen. you got to take an active approach. So no, absolutely. even in the corporate setting, you got to create that personal brand. Quit trying to fit in the herd. Quit trying to do what other people do. Quit trying to play safe because there is no risks. With, you know, the rewards come with those who are taking risks. They don't build statues and name highways after people who stayed in the herd. Mm -hmm. And they definitely don't build those statues after critics. So personal brand... It's very important we all have one. Yeah. So uh, right now, you're somebody's right now is saying, "Hey, I haven't been actively controlling my personal brand." 
what's some steps? We only got a couple minutes left, mm-hmm. but what's some steps for somebody listening right now to start tomorrow controlling their reputation or their personal brand? Set it up. Yeah, I think you just got to show up. You just got to think about the future version of yourself, and that's what I do is I think about Tony in five years. What will that person look like? Mm-hmm. What will the relationships he have? What will the businesses look like, the level of fitness, the diet? And then when you start to think about that future version of himself and how you appear and how you dress and how you eat, how you show up in this world, you'll start to make decisions today based on that future version of yourself. And that's the very important because as you envision who you want to become, you will become that person. Awesome. That is a, it's, a, it's a mindset game at the end of the day. That's, Absolutely. It's a mindset game. Um, so uh, right now people are probably sitting here thinking, man, there's a lot of information that got shared here. One, um, we'll just kind of recap a little bit. We got a couple minutes left. One, if you're going to start a business or get into business or you're in business right now, you got to figure out an exit plan. You got a business planning. Uh, reach out to David with Wygant Law. Uh, and talk a little bit about planning your business and really the exit strategy, not just the exit strategy, what happens if something happens to you. And it's good to make sure you protect your family. Uh, Two, uh, if you're looking to grow your business, Tony does 360 driven. 365 driven. 365 driven. I was taking five days off because, you know, Christmas. You got Christmas. You got got a couple days of there. You got Dom just messing. You need to read the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, uh, uh, yeah, if you're looking for some business coaching, you said you had a podcast. What's the podcast name? Drop it on here. Yeah, guess what the name is. 365 <laughs> Driven. All right, yeah. So if you want to jump on there and listen, what do you, what do you go over? Just general business? It's an entre- entrepreneurship-based show, but we also touch on wealth, health, mindset, and relationships. The four cornerstones, what I've identified as fulfillment and happiness. Awesome. And then you said you are author of two books. Go ahead and name drop those. Uh, Side Hustle Millionaire is the book right now. It's on Amazon that uh, hit number one bestseller in the business marketing category. So Side Hustle Millionaire. Man, David, what, what, <laughs> I feel uh, I don't have a book to drop either. So Hey, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, the, in the queue. I'm writing at the moment. All right, guys. Well, that's it for the day. We had some great guests. Guys, I want to thank you all for short notice jumping on here and bailing me out of a bind. I appreciate it. And everybody have a great day. Thank you for listening to Texas Franchise Radio, where we bring on all the local franchise experts. If you liked the show, please share it with your friends. If you have any questions you'd like answered live on the show, send them to at Texas Franchise Radio on Facebook. Till next time.